I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Caitlin Brodnick. I'm Sue Smith. And we love love scams. scams. We love scams. We love you. And Sue Smith is back in the hot seat. What's up? You know what is going on is like what compelled us to start our very first scam was LuLaRoe and she's back baby. She's in the news and I was compelled to bring it to Scam Wow. She had to jump back in here because we've been talking about those hamburger crotch jeans for three years long now. Long time. Long, long time. time. Long mm-hmm. before any documentaries are out. Mm-hmm. Honey, we've been talking about those bad designs. We're talking about the new Lula Rich documentary that's on Amazon. If anyone has seen it, if you haven't, you could Google a little description about it. It's not... It's juicy. Juicy, juicy. It's juicy, but it, they cover every single thing that's been in the news, too. There wasn't too many new things, except... Well, we'll get into it. Wait, Katie, did you put on makeup? You look I beautiful. I did put on makeup. Oh, I my did. gosh. You look great. So I'm scamming... Thank you. I am scamming myself into putting on a face of makeup and getting dressed. And for a drop-off? For a drop-off, guys. It is really, really working for me. I get myself dressed up I put on makeup I put on an outfit and I get ready just to drop Lewis off at school you're starting your day and you're like I am and I used to I only get dressed up for auditions which means you know sitting in COVID you're at home there's no reason to so somebody I want to audition for a job a dream job and so it was always this excitement when I put on my makeup and so now I'm like okay we're doing this for Lewis because this is his new experience in life and we're getting ready and then the rest of the day, I feel very good. And I'm sure it's just like a placebo effect, but I feel good when I'm putting on makeup sure, because I'm taking the time to take care of myself. Esteemable acts. They create yes. self-esteem. Yeah. And you would think like for girls or women to be like, oh, you don't need makeup. You're just, you know, joining the patriarchy or you're just trying to look like somebody or not. It's not that. It's more it's ritualistic. Not. It's for you. You know what? I admire your go get him spirit with this because I go for a walk every morning. um, Yes. With my baby in the stroller out on Hillhurst and Los Feliz. And I see the same people. There is one family with a a little baby named Felix who's like Wyatt's age. And I see the same people pretty much every day. And I wear the same clothes. And I'm like, that's fine. I saw that, but I saw them yesterday. And the mom, it was like, 
7.45 the mom was so put together with like black sunglasses and I'm like there in my like threadbare Target lounge That's pants. fine. But I'm, I, I was like, I should put on an outfit for these walks. I should really put on some jeans, something, but I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't have it in me. So good for you. I don't have it. But in me. Lewis is three now. I didn't. We talked. Right. I, you guys have heard on this podcast. I would like come on after sobbing after a terrible night's sleep with Lewis. Like I'd call Sue because Alan and I were having a tough night because we were so stressed about getting Lewis to sleep. Like it was the beginning of doing anything with a newborn is yeah. awful because they're always about to perish, which is like not, they're just like always about to fall off something Truly. or ingest something or knock something over and harm themselves that you don't have time to take care of yourself. But now yeah. Luke can be watching Paw Patrol and I can put on glasses, but I'll say one last thing about the moms that get dressed up. And yeah. that's a different type of like protection because I think there's so much identity lost with being a mom that the mom friends I knew that did hair makeup very early on were very much holding on to the fact the power of the woman that they are and I think they felt that they were losing their individuality as a woman and just becoming like mushed with baby and mom and so for them it was not an easy act but like a, a very serious act to get ready because of their own identity I mean maybe I think this this lady works from home and she has a serious job which mm -hmm. as do I, but I you still too. don't put on clothes. Who to go cares? To but maybe I should. I don't know. Whatever. No, you shouldn't do anything you don't want to do. I I was a garbage bag wearing lady for a long time. It's all I can do to get out the door and go on these walks. Just get out the door. Yeah. Okay, I have tons of notes. We should definitely Let's get, get into the scam. This okay. Yeah. Okay, so the Lula Rich documentary covering Lula Rowe. Lula Rowe is a multi-level marketing mm -hmm. scheme. We're just doing a little primer. In case you didn't know, in case you didn't read, in case you forgot what had a lapse. In case you forgot. In episode one, we also have a rundown of this. Yes. Episode number one, very first episode. Okay. Um, it is a multi-level marketing scheme where that sells leggings. People sell leggings. You could call it a pyramid scheme in that people are making money beneath you. So you make money on the people that you recruit and bring in as well. So that is a pyramid shape. It is a $5,000 buy-in to start working At there. least, at least. Some was 10000 Some was ten, And that's <laughs> so much money. Okay, we open on Deanne Stidham and her husband Mark Stidham. Beautiful office. The first shot, I think, is beautiful because she's wearing, we get a shot of these Valentino shoes. Oh, I didn't even realize. I was just like, those look rich, you know. Yeah, expensive studded heels. And then she says, the woman in want me wants to straighten out the fringe, to and flush she out does. the fringe <laughs> on the rug. She gets on her knees and orders people around. A rug, yeah. Um, she gets on her knees and straightens out the fringe on the rug. I just think that's so telling right away. Like she's wearing these expensive shoes. She's identifying as a woman and what women want to do. And like, and, and that is like encompasses her whole thing. She's like making money and she's rich and she's like making money on the boss at the back of this like boss babe yes. culture, which I is annoying. And so the whole documentary interviews the people at the top of the pyramid. So the people who got into LuLaRoe early are successful made a ton successful made a ton of money on this but it also goes into what happens when it goes down uh okay they the reason we hate this is because it preys on stay-at-home moms mm -hmm. so it is like are you a boss babe do you want to make money working from home and support and be with your family and have it all and we hate that it preys on that well they basically found like all marketing schemes some target new immigrants some target kids out of college uh cuckoo um but the the mlm this one targeted the demographic of specifically white women who were college high school educated chose to stay at home and raise their children because financially, like whatever the situation was, that was the choice that they made. But there is a great pain and pressure, as we even talked about in the beginning of this, of being a mom and juggling it all. So they not only picked that demographic, they fed off of that demographic, ensuring them that with this program, like all MLMs do, it'll be different for you. It's yeah. different with us. And you can 
be a person that no one expected you to be. It it really fed off of that. And what's so heartbreaking is it's a tough, sad place being a new mom. It's scary. It's uh, We talked about identity. Yeah. Like, I don't have a single pair of jeans that fit me. Like, can I even, do I want to leave my house right now? Never. You know, like just, there's so much going on. And yeah. they fed this mantra, as like Sue said, the boss babe was that, you're powerful. You can do it from home and you can make money on your own while still parenting. But we'll tell you now, the people that made the money openly said they had to put so much of their life into this LuLaRoe, they neglected their parenting. They weren't with their children. They weren't watching their kids grow up. And so it was just a complete falsehood that they sold all these mothers on. Yes. So Dean and Mark, we can tell right away that they're good salespeople. Mm -hmm. They have stories that they tell. You can tell they tell them over and over again. That's what we were saying. Alan was like, they had a He said something. And she goes, oh, and that's what I love about you. And Alan was like, they've rehearsed this. They've done this. They've said this over and over again. And did you catch, Sue, their origin stories, their big stories of their family was when oh, their yeah. parents was all about money. Did you see that? Yeah. Dad was a candy salesman and dad led us to believe we could do anything. I I come from one of 11 and her maiden name is Startup. And the, the guy like tears up about his dad talking about him never wanting to settle and being an entrepreneur. And Alan, we're watching, we're like, wait, yeah. you're crying because, and you're both explaining how your parents were so great. It was all money-based. It wasn't, they spent time with me. It wasn't, they loved me. They hugged me. It was like, and they really got a lot of money. God damn it. They're beautiful people, those rich parents. I wrote that he was fake crying. It seemed like yeah. he was fake crying about that. I yeah. hated him. And then Deanne tells another improbable story of her mom making $3,000 and then just throwing money over the banister to all her kids. Throwing cash at her children. And she said, I'm chasing that my whole life. And I was like, you're fucked. <laughs> you are fuck so fucking weird. And needless to say, if you create... The goal of this, they said, was to help other women, but really the goal was that they discovered they could sell a product, make a huge markup on it, and they both just, they even said, like, I had dollar signs in my eyes. I wasn't stopping. Right, exactly. So then we have this story of um, Deanne starting these dress parties, reselling dresses from that she saw at a swap meet and skirts that she did that for 27 hours straight I think um and then she started making skirts and sold everything and then we have this awkward moment where she says about her husband there are a lot of times I hate him and he's just <gasps> like what <laughs> like, yeah he doesn't say like me too or whatever and she makes it as a joke and it's the most awkward thing and they hold on it to like get the yes. moment afterwards it's wonderful I think Ellen and I were talking over it because we were just like we hate like she hates him and then she said and there's times where I hate him oh my god <laughs> and it's so creepy and so she found out a way basically like any retailer does is that you get something wholesale and then you sell it at a market price but what was making these so specific is it was like a Tupperware party where you would go into someone's home or you go into someone's basement or cafeteria even and it was person to person shopping and she would get that markup and not having to rent a space. She did it herself. But it, there's also this element of and I'm, they have it at Tupperware parties. They have it at Avion or whatever, like Avon. Uh, Mary Kay. Yeah. yeah, that the person selling it is a close friend. They're inside your home or you're inside their home. There is a social pressure and a social agreement that she would constantly sell out because these were also women that were her peers and friends and so it wasn't like you can walk through a store and go that's not really me or I can't really afford that there was this added dimension and pressure that she crushed at like she could get anyone she knew to buy anything yeah so what I, I have written what is really being sold is unlimited opportunity which mm -hmm. yes you're selling like look at all you can do like look at the possibilities are endless and if you're not making money you're just not working hard enough they kept saying that to people. They basically with MLMs, they said it's your fault if you're not making enough money. But statistically, at a certain point, there's no way to make enough money. The market was so overly saturated. So that was there was a myriad of excuses that these the owners 
would say to people and give to people to take away any of the pressure or responsibility of having actually like a crap business with bad products, they would say it was that person's fault. They would call them lazy. Mm-hmm. It was such bullying. I mean, you know, we we hate these people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, they're awful. But also it ties into the American dream uh, overall. Yeah. It's like if you're not doing well, you're not working hard, which I think is bullshit because we we need to talk about like the whole American dream of like if you just put in a little elbow grease and you can do better than your parents. And that's just not true if you don't come for money or if you don't have some help along the way. It's simply not true. Or if you're a millennial and you've had like like enormous economic hardship, you've had a stock market, like a crash in 2007. Like we just, there's so much set up against us. And I'll tell you, Sue, this is what I'm lying to myself. I've been watching on TikTok. They're talking about, Alan's going to hate this, dropshipping businesses. Uh And Alan goes, and I was like, Alan, but what if I had no, a dropshipping business? So and he's like, Katie, no, you can't watch LuLaRoe and tell me seriously, you want a dropshipping business. But I will say, I like the idea of like curating houseware and then being like, guys, this is the best milk frother. Like I like to be able to tell my friends, this is great. I think that's different because dropshipping is literally like reselling shit from China. <laughs> I know. I know. And he goes, Kate, you did that like Audrey Kitching thing. And I was like, I know, but... I need money. No, like I, I also, I know I won't. I want I won't. But I feel for these women who are like the Lularoe women. You know, they're told yeah. all you have to do is sell this, and then who doesn't want an extra two or three hundred dollars a month? So then we start talking to some of the first retailers, um, and these ladies made so much money, and that they won't even tell you how much they made. Millions. They much. won't tell you because they feel really bad. Some of them were making like 150k a month just on bonuses, which is bonuses came from people joining, like recruiting new people yes. from their downline. The, the part that made this very much like an MLM and a pyramid pyramid scheme really is that you weren't making money off of the skirt and the product that you were selling. You were making money if you recruited seven more people paying $5,000 each to join LuLaRoe. So you would get a point, you would get a section of that $5,000 and then you would pay that to whoever recruited you. So it just goes up, up, up to the highest level. So the skirts weren't actually selling that much. They were making some money off of retail, but the the first people who bought in, they called them sponsors and they would sponsor new people. That is how they made their money by recruiting more people. So more $5,000 payers come in and that is actually who they were making money off of. Not only are you making money off of the people coming in, but you get a monthly bonus and benefits depending on how many people you have working under you that you've recruited. Yeah, exactly. So they're still selling skirts until like 2014 and then they finally have the leggings put leggings in and the leggings <laughs> finally just pop finally ugliest white lady stuff I've ever seen it's so and we bad. have this oh what is her name is it Lachey this is all white ladies so we have Sam Schultz who is Deanne's nephew everybody from the family there are 11 <gasps> kids between the two of them they I all have get to talk about in. Sam Schultz they all get folded in into this company in various places right? and they cry kids cry when they're interviewed and they say, my parents finally asked me to be a part of it because I'm sure you these parents didn't give a fuck about their kids until they were making money for them. Oh, yeah. Well, that was their value. So Sam is like, he's the events director. Sam is like a sad theater major who can't figure out his life. Oh, I no. definitely went to college with a, with a couple of Sams. Oh, of course. But Sam is like, so we decided to have a huge cruise we were like, we're targeting the older millennial demographic. Who is someone they love? Mario Lopez. Let's get Mario <laughs> Lopez to come on this cruise. And then he- As a marketing technique for all of the, rec- the all of the LuLaRoe salespeople to take photos with him and post it on their Instagram. And then Sam says over that happened over the weekend and they posted on their Instagram. And then on Monday, they had 11,000 people who wanted to join. So this is a mm-hmm. very specific white lady, older millennial demographic. I'm surprised yes. I didn't get roped in. I know. I'm saying like, I'm sure we have friends of ours who are like, I did a little LuLaRoe. And he was acting like he's this like, great guy but he looked like such a fucking loser i'm sorry i hope he's not listening but he just looked like such a dumbass like he was just putting on these they were trying to make any sort of stupid marketing thing cool like no you aren't a concert promoter you're selling leggings guys like it looks so silly and 
it's all white ladies. But then there's this woman, Lachey, who works for the company, like in, in their corporate office. She has this wonderful moment. So we're talking about the cruises. So oh, let me explain the cruises. So they they decide that they have so many people that they're going to do a Lula Rose cruise that I believe like people had to pay for it. But it was just like another way to blast social media, make everybody feel, um, you know, FOMO if they weren't invited. And they wanted and she was now a salesperson. She moved up and they wanted her to join. And I think the cruise was for like the top salespeople or whatever. So Lachey gets invited on the cruise and she was like, Thank you, but no, thank you. I'm I love white people, but I am not going out to sea with white people for a week. <laughs> well, to be so on funny. a boat, she was like, I'll see you when you get back to land. And it's like, yeah, that does sound horrible. It's all white people. There's not very many. I mean, there's a handful of people of color, but really Barely. not many. many. But it's because it's praying. These are some of those slogans, the marketing slogans. Helping families, blessing lives, mm -hmm. make full-time pay, part-time work boss babe overall mm -hmm. that yeah th those are some of the marketing slogans so i think this is i don't want to say it's just mormon but like it's a it's a it's mormony what i believe happened in like a lot of these sort of cult formed and all of these sort of cults and all of these crazy mlms it starts with just a basic idea that anybody can join anybody can join and then when you, they need the owners and the like heads of it need more power they start to do more inflicting more rules and more things that everybody has to have like everybody had to wear a bunch of LuLaRoe like you the bonus checks they said spend your bonus checks don't give them to your family like they had promised that you know you'd, you'd be able to support your family spend your bonus check to show everyone how much money you're mm -hmm. making and to recruit more people so they can see how profitable you are that keeps somebody completely locked into LuLaRoe then they started asking husbands to join wives they started to create all of these situations that made their salespeople codependent. And then they said they started pushing on religious tones mm -hmm. and Mormonism and making women feel that they were inept and sort of flipping it on people and saying, you have the freedom to do whatever you want. But if you don't do what we want, you're worthless piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So this was all in the early stages. They wanted to target older millennial women, stay-at-home moms. Um, by 2016, the company had made $70 million, which was crazy. By 2017, I believe, they're now at 15,000 retailers, which is so many. But then they went down again, right? They went to down 6, after 000. that later. Yeah, yeah. Lachey has this great story of wearing Chanel to her first day of work in the office. Beautiful Chanel. Beautiful Chanel. And Deanne sees her and, and um, makes her change into LuLaRoe. <laughs> yeah. Says that's not LuLaRoe. She goes, yeah, it's Chanel. <laughs> and that was such a perfect snapshot of this idea that if you don't conform to everything we are in your life, yeah. in your personal life, in your literal clothing you can't make it here. When they recruited you to say you could have a comfortable life, a work-life balance, they basically took over your life balance. Well, that's why I think Lachey is like the most brilliant one because she's like, these leggings are so fucking ugly, <laughs> but these women are going Fully. crazy for them. Let me just get on board. And she didn't them. drink the Kool-Aid. I really, so they also interviewed another, it was interesting because the business then had to start recruiting workers, like accountants and people in yeah. marketing who actually knew what they were doing. So as the business was growing, they hired more people and they would interview this man who, seemed like a savant in whatever his job was he was he was in like customer service and computers yeah. and he also was very confused about what was happening you know he didn't come in because he was a single mom looking for a hail mary he just came in because he needed a job basic job and he was like this is bizarre what we're doing is bizarre so i think her, he and lachey were able to have a little bit of a perspective on it that a lot of the mothers didn't yeah so the whole time um we're now entering episode two the whole time this uh documentary is spliced with deposition foot footage throughout the documentary because washington state eventually files a lawsuit against them and the deposition footage is hilarious because um everything they're asked in depositions they're just denying and saying i don't remember they get asked can you tell me the name of your office or the address of your office and and Deanne says, I don't remember. So they're just saying, I don't remember for everything. And then the people interviewed would uh, just contradict everything that was said in the deposition. So it's a really hilarious contrast. They also had all these footage of meetings and like group marketing events and social parties where they would literally say like, 
we want to get away from the MLM image. We want to be the mother, the warmth image or something. And then in the desk, the position and interviewed by attorneys or they'd say, you know, do you admit you're an MLM? And the person would go like, I've never said that in my life. Yeah. They just lied. lied. Their basis for everything legal is they just lied. And the DN, the, the woman in it, talked about how she learned this manipulation from her mom. Yeah. Like she's been born and bred to just manipulate and lie to get what she wants. Yeah. So um, as we said, the st- startup costs her a five to 10K. She would tell people to do anything to get another credit card, ask family members to help out, even sell their breast milk. And in the deposition, mm-hmm. they say flat out, did you ever tell anyone to sell their breast milk to um, get the startup costs? And she says, no, I don't recall. And then later there's footage of her actually doing that, which is just wild. Yeah. Which I think if you can make money selling your breast milk, do it. But like not to do an MLM. Like if you have an excess supply and you can sell it, great. That's good. But that and what they weren't doing, they were almost saying you should be selling your breast milk because you have this natural resource. If you don't sell your breast milk, you're some kind of an idiot, which again, there are all of these things that they're the pressure that they're putting on moms. Like if it wasn't just this is good business practice. It was if you don't do our business practice, something's intrinsically wrong with you. And look, everybody else is doing it. And you're a failure if you can't. It's It was such bullying as a form of... A hundred percent. So then Lachey says Mark and Deanne are never in office because you would know when they were there because the entire family drives Mercedes. And then mm-hmm. in the deposition, Mark says they showed up every day. So just this like contradiction. Just liars. Is so yeah. funny. They're such liars. The computer customer service guy says they used a Google Doc for data entry, this like massive Google Doc. That they couldn't keep up with yeah. because you can change, two people can change a Google Doc at the same time. And they would say, like, we try all these fancy things, but Google Doc just worked. And I was thinking, no, it's because your son probably only knew Google Doc. They kept hiring their weird sons. Yeah. And <laughs> wait, we didn't even cover the beginning. Two of their kids married each other. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Two of their kids married each other. What the fuck? Guys, there's also they didn't talk about her sister who had the competing line. Remember, we covered that in our episode one. Yeah. So this psychotic woman, Deanne, she got married really young, she said. She had a bunch of children. And then she also adopted a bunch of children, which is wonderful. And then when she met Mark, when she met this guy, he had kids from another marriage and they joined their families together. And then they had more sort of wayward children that they in, they invited and, and created in their family. But their number one thing that they said in the documentary was, well, we got him married off. We got her married off. We got her married off. Their goal was to the way they believe helping children is to get them married off. And she goes, and luckily they were just looking right next to each other and those two got married off. And so they said in their wedding, it was for our son and daughter. Oh, and they're winning invitation. It's weird. I was like, how are we breezing by this? They're step siblings, but they're still freaking siblings. Like, that's weird. They're still in the same house. It's soups creepy. And also, I was like, wow, your value is money, marrying each other off. It was so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go back to our girl, Lachey. So apparently, you sign up to be a retailer and then you wait you get on a wait list to get an onboarding phone call. And Lachey was the one that was making those onboarding phone calls. Because after a while, there were so many people who wanted to be LuLaRoe. The people were so good at selling this dream. They didn't even have enough like product at some point. So people then had to wait to be invited to be a salesperson. It wasn't like in the early days where they were recruiting friends and anybody they saw. Now it was this coveted thing that everyone knew. So apparently you had to be on the wait list for 90 days before. And Lachey says that every time she calls somebody and tells them, this is your onboarding call, it was like life changing and they would start crying and freak the fuck out. And she was mandated to onboard 500 people a day, not just her, but like her department, 500 new people a day. Phone calls. Yeah. And she said that her department was bringing in like millions a a week. Million dollars a day just with her group alone with onboarding costs. So you're thinking like, how can people possibly be making money on the products when there's so many people selling the products? They're not, honey. The market's (laughs) saturated, baby. And also the product starts getting worse and worse. They didn't get into that enough of like their manufacturing. All the women talked about these buttery leggings, these incredible leggings, this manufacturing makes amazing leggings. Well, 
eventually you come to find out that Mark, this guy, and the owner of the manufacturing business that is making these leggings are like at odds with each other and competing. And so the quality starts going really down. So while they're getting millions of dollars recruiting people, they're giving them a horrible products. So they don't go into this enough, but my my sister-in-law, who's like <laughs> very much into the Lulu Row scene mm-hmm. over in Massachusetts, told me that once they started being manufactured in Thailand, the quality went down. So apparently oh. they changed the manufacturers. So um, salespeople are getting like moldy leggings, they're getting wet leggings, they're getting smelly leggings, and they're just expected to sell them. And it's your fault if you can't. The company is taking no responsibility. But again, they're turning it on them. Yeah. They also were saying in an interview, the head guy, Mark, was like, it's so amazing. We have so much product. We don't even have space for it all. So where they were putting it was outside in uncovered bins, just like a bin like you would see like a bunch of stuff thrown in for Goodwill or a bunch of stuff literally thrown in the garbage. But they were product to be sold. So this one woman said you'd open a box and one pack of legging because it was in a weird bin was just soaking wet and smelled like mold. One looked like a raccoon had been in there. And they were just stuck with it. They just couldn't do anything. And the uh, owners would say, well, just sell it at a markdown. But then they take a hit. Then they make less. Yeah. The, well, yeah. And then the the person selling it loses their credibility, loses. They don't have the great product anymore. Nobody wants to go to them. They'll go to her cousin who has better leggings. Right. So Mark says that they're selling 100,000 garments a day at this point, and they're making less than 3,000 of any single garment, which means there's a demand for certain patterns and everything because some of them are rare. Which happens with makeup. We've talked about it with like Kylie. You you make this sort of demand, but... Yeah. Um, And then we have an interview with the pattern designer, whom (laughs) I fucking love. And the pattern designer is told to make a hundred new designs a day, which is bananas. A day. A day. Can you Bonker. can you imagine even making a hundred doodles a day? Mm-hmm. Like hundred a day and turning them in. And she wasn't the only designer. It wasn't a hundred a day for her. For, for it, everybody. She had multiple people each doing a hundred a day. Yeah. So and and there have been some copyright infringements, and she said that they would just Google stuff and then change one thing on the image they that said, they find. Yeah, they said copy paste it, then change it twenty times. Twenty percent, yeah, yeah, twenty percent, yeah. And then she said some people didn't even change it. Some of her like younger designers who were trying to like scramble, and just change the color, shift it sideways. She said some of the stuff was so ugly, but she knew that these weird ladies would like it. She said she was always told to make it pop, and a quote from her, which I love, is "One man's trash is another man's treasure," and that is Lularoe. It is quite trash. Yeah. What you also learned is that they weren't hiring anyone who was actually qualified for the position. So they'd have an art director, they'd have a head of marketing who ended up being their cousin or their friend from church or something. And that person believed they were very qualified, but the team knew they were not qualified for this demand, for this quality, for what they were assuming that they could do. Yes. So at this point, we have 26,000 retailers and Shay becomes a retailer. First, she was just working in the office. Now she's a retailer. Um, Facebook Live plays a huge part of growth. So people don't have to go to your homes to have these like Tupperware parties. You can just do it Mm -hmm. all on Facebook Live and um, people are just claiming in there. And you can tease it. You can say, I'll be on at 4 p.m. This is the shirt I'm going to sell. So people would then like start gearing up and getting ready. Because somehow it became a frenzy. Like for some reason, these ugly everybody wanted these things. I know. Um, and then they make <laughs> they make a music video about unicorn hunting, which the leggings that everybody wants that are in demand are called unicorns. That's I wrote terrible. it made me embarrassed to be a white lady. It was such a bad music video. Oh, first of all, I'm constantly embarrassed. Constantly. But yeah, it, it's awful. And the what's crazy is that it wasn't like you're watching settlers from the 1920s being like, isn't this silly soda pop? And you're like, you guys are idiots. You're watching people now who genuinely are like drinking this Kool-Aid thinking that they're cool and nothing about them is cool. Nothing is hip. It's, It's not even like they were so quaint and old and dated and stale, but it was during right now. It was during right now. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. 
And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. So we explained the thing, commission on the downline, which is pe- when you're bringing people in. Um, and then one of these women who they're interviewing, who's at the top of the pyramid, Ashley, who's like got in on the ground floor, said she had 5,000 people in her downline. So she's making money on all their profits, which is wild. And making money on their profits, their buy-in, their losses. So these women were getting very emotional talking about, and they didn't ever say anything because they didn't think they wanted to like indict themselves or give too much away, but they definitely were putting pressure on these women to sell more because they had pressure on themselves. And they said, one of these women was like, I feel bad. I like duped a lot of women into getting involved in this. People lost money because I told them this was such a great thing and it wasn't, and they were manipulating other women. Yeah, so I don't have it written down if it was a year or a month, but one girl says she made $10,000 on sales of the leggings, but made $65,000 in recruitment bonuses. So at that point, it becomes yeah. like trafficking, kind of like human trafficking. You're just signing it people is. up to make money on people. It is. You know? Yeah, it is the traffic that gets it. They were constantly showing off the few people at the top that made so much money. And at a point, there was an expert there who was wonderful, and an MLM expert who was saying that it's there's no way, there's no probability that you will make that much money at a certain point. Yeah. When the pyramid becomes so wide and there's so many more people involved, you'll never make the amount of money that the people at the top will make. But this entire time, that's what they're advertising, that's what they're pushing, and that's what they're promising for all the new people. Yeah. So um, we're we're told that Deanne created the bonus program, so bonuses for recruiting new members. Um, but then we cut to deposition footage where she so she didn't of course and And she doesn't know anything about it and you see her writing checks to people (laughs) you see her saying thank you for these bonuses i mean it's bizarre because they recorded all of their events like they were waiting for their own tv show and instead they got a documentary about how fraudulent they are (laughs) love it now we're at thirty-eight thousand retailers um some people are making 22 to forty-two thousand a month um just on recruitment and sam our, our friend sam um, the failed theater actor says that mm. someone made $200,000 a month just on recruitment. And now the focus is on recruitment, not on the product at all. And that is when it becomes a red flag as an MLM for the state of Washington, actually, because they realize that once you create, once you have a product that you're selling or you have a company that you're selling that no longer is making money off of the product, but making money off of the people that are supposedly supposed to benefit from this, that is an MLM scheme. It's one of the definitions. And it is just simply about personal property and, you know, personal finances versus a product. And that's when people kind of started to look into it, when it had that shift, when they gave those bonuses and they changed from just admit saying that they were salespeople to creating this organization. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so they wanted them to post every day on social media and hashtag it with because of Lula Rowe so that they're mm-hmm. presenting this, projecting this like perfect life 
image. It was all encompassing. Everything had to be about it. Um, We mentioned the cruises. You had to sell $12,000 a month to go on the cruises. They said people had to pay for their own flights and hotels to do any of these events, too. They never they didn't pay for a single thing. Yeah, they required the people at the top to go on expensive leadership events and they didn't pay for it. Oh, in 2017, they had Katy Perry at one of their events in a stadium. And Sam tells us he spent $30 million on that event, which is on the wild. Event. Five million just for Katy Perry, like ten million for security, oh my and God. it shows Deanna talking with Katy Perry and all the stuff. And during the interview, you know the Wild. court interview, she goes, "I don't know who that is, Katy Percy." Never <laughs> heard of her. Yeah, right. Just Shut fucking. Up. I mean, the amount of lying. I was also just like, "Wow, you lie about everything." Like mm-hmm. she denies everything. Yeah. So by the end of 2016, they had over 60,000 consultants and they had made $1.3 billion, which is wild. Yes. And Mark says they have 25% growth month over month, which is a ton. <laughs> but it was also like unmanageable. Any company that has that for so long and isn't trying to improve the quality, trying to improve even HR. Yeah. <laughs> they they didn't do any of that. They just were riding this cash cow. And so if anybody was upset, if there was ever a lawsuit, which we'll get into, for them, it was easier to just settle because they were so fucking rich. Yeah. So the kind of the gray area here is in our legal system, multi-level marketing is not illegal, but pyramid schemes are. So mm-hmm. when most of the money is beca- is coming from recruitment and not sales of the actual product, right. that's when that's, it becomes yeah, what I a mentioned. pyramid scheme. So that's that's mm-hmm. why it's a fine line. So going back to this um, hashtag Instagram stuff because of LuLaRoe, they were encouraged to spend their entire bonus check to look good and recruit new people. Mm-hmm. One woman's like talking about all the Louis Vuitton she had, how she spent $10,000 at dinner. And mm-hmm. then she says, working for LuLaRoe destroyed my life. Out of the three people, um, each got incredible depression and pressure. Two of them had their marriages destroyed. I know. So now we're getting to episode three, and this is where things take a dark, dark turn with the whole image um, and mm. looking good stuff. So at the beginning of the episode, they kind of um, they kind of focus on this cult stuff. They said Deanne becomes like a cult leader. One lady says, if she had told me to jump off a cliff, I probably would have. Just mm-hmm. they were also receiving text messages during this time. I will say, like it wasn't just you were you had a boss or an email. They had tons of personal text messages and it was becoming very very personal yeah so then um, mark starts preaching the book of mormon at a convention so it also becomes like super intertwined with religion too which is a whole different ball game i'm sure there's like a lot of guilt feelings and a lot of like maybe these people think they're they think they're holy or from god or Or historic like we all have we, we talk about that a lot with cults is that People have their own experience of religion. And so when you start throwing religion at them, they have their own baggage. So suddenly they feel guilty or they have these old memories or they have this like perfectionism complex that comes from years of their own trauma. So it it really does grab people when you start throwing in Bible stuff. I know. Mark compares himself to being misunderstood like Joseph Smith, which I'm like, yeah. Oh, stop it. Someone says they realize that all the consultants dressed alike. They're blonde. Uh, obsessed with weights, their prints. One girl said she realized she was in a cult. Um, and then we meet Becca Peter, who is like this internet sleuth who who decides to take them down, which I love. I love these little people that get a bee in their bonnet, you know? You guys would be like thick as thieves, which is, I was like, that's Sue Smith's new best friend. Oh, well, what was so funny is that she was learning about LuLaRoe because she was on a mommy website with other moms during, or on a Facebook group when she, talking about life and motherhood and the person was really pushing the row and she asked her well what do you guys do about taxes and that was never answered in the whole documentary i'm like alan what do they do about sales tax yeah. like how do they and they said uh lularo just said don't worry it's taken care of but is anyone auditing this like because she was saying how can you sell something and what part of it goes to taxes you know, they to weren't taxes. doing taxes at all they weren't doing taxes that never got solved that is, i feel like you could get lularo in some way that nobody was doing the tax work or oh it drove me crazy so that started her spark and she then 
started going into it and finding all of these past consultants who were really upset and finally able to admit they weren't being treated right. Mm hmm. Yeah. So then she she starts taking him down. Um, I wrote, I can't believe Deanne and Mark were agreed to be interviewed for this. <laughs> like, you know what, Sue? What the, the I think they believe the entire time they're better than everyone. They believe they're better than God. They believe they're better than every consultant. They don't care or have value for anyone. So I'm sure they thought they were better than these artsy documentary people. <laughs> you right? know, I mean, they they had a chip on their shoulder. Or they were just like, I think they're like fame hungry and just want to be on TV. Yes. And also they had their routine down. They were like, we do this. We do this banter. It's no problem. And there were times, though, guys, it's very fun to watch a person uncomfortable when they're a shitty person. There's times where like Mark would be like scratching his like neck or something. And that, that, did you catch this part, Sue, where they say they want to ask Deanne like about women in the industry? And he goes, he stops her and he goes, can I, can I say something yes. first? And he cuts her off the one time they ask her about feminism and being a woman he shuts oh. her up and says what his opinion oh, is oh that made me so mad they ask we her were about dying and like he doesn't let her talk oh she can't does not talk oh my god oh, that. she's also giving consultants advice like uh blow your husband for five minutes a day to get whatever you want i mean <laughs> verbatim get Did on your knees that? Yes, she said, get on your knees. It's not that hard. Five minutes a day to get on your knees to get whatever you want. She sent those. She sent yeah. text messages. She told women that she would give her mother, Deanna's mother, wrote a book about basically being a submissive woman and doing whatever the husband needs to then, you know, persuade and control your control the situation. And Deanna's talking about, she goes, you know, then the 60s or 70s happened. I don't know what happened then. We were like, the Vietnam War? So <laughs> Civil rights? So they're preaching boss babe and like, you got this, babe, whatever, lingo. You got this dick to blow every night, babe. <laughs> you are in control. But they really want, they really want the men to be in control. So the whole thing is like, make enough money that the man can that your dude can quit his job and then take control of your business yeah it was almost like in the scientology aspect of they kept changing that when you would get to the next level the next level in sales in marketing in your business then they're like well we'll we'll open pandora's box about this we'll open this so it turned out when they got to the highest level they really just wanted your husband's business they called it retire their husbands so mm -hmm. they could get to retire their husbands Ugh. yeah um in 2016 the top 0.1% of retailers made 150k a month in bonuses. A month, 150k a month. Well, 80% made nothing. Um they had these motivational Zoom calls which we talked about. It was so their advice was to keep buying more and get people to sign up under you. And if you're not doing well, it's your freaking fault. It's all your fault. They also said it works if you work it, which is an AA slogan. Oh. I I think they sort of had these motivational speakers they picked from anywhere. They had this one woman talking about your don't be a victim. It's your fault if you're not making enough money and people are applauding her. And it just it was so awful. And one of the motivational speakers said, you don't need to read books. You don't need to exercise. And I was like, what? He basically was saying, shut your life down to sell, sell, sell. Yeah. So then we're getting. So as we mentioned before, there's this pressure on appearance and because of LuLaRoe and looking good on social media. So then Deanne goes to Mexico to get a gastric sleeve surgery um, for weight loss. And I think she's getting a cut in that, Sue. I think she is, too. OK, because they do an interview right after she gets the weight loss surgery and she looks creepy as hell, but skinnier. And she says, and I think we brought like 18 down for you. Yeah. So I think she's getting a cut. Of the surgery. So then they show a text thread and the text thread is called Tijuana Skinnies and it's pressuring people to go to her doctor in Tijuana and get the gastric sleeve. And I definitely think the doctor is giving her a cut of each person. So it, this becomes like a pyramid scheme as well. Yes. And Disgusting. she's not talking about it and that's going to come out. Yeah. And it's in, you know, Mexico. So the knows, business is all there. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, and it's all in their courts. If, if anybody did bring it to that, it would be in, in their country. But she is pressuring people and also the thing that was very interesting is to find out when these very the very high earners in LuLaRoe the people that she the the first consultants 
or you know retailers quote that suddenly there was a time in all of these consultants experiences where she would snap and turn on them mm -hmm. so she was like buttering up their friends forever one consultant said she didn't want to get the sleeve she said she shut off and Deanna treated her like a piece of you know garbage like she never saw her and it put that consultant into an incredible downward spiral this other family a husband and wife suddenly Deanna decided she liked the wife more than the husband and shut off on the wife and so she had this incredible like steel door that emotionally that she would just shut down and that was when each of the consultants slowly started realizing it was a pyramid scheme but not until then like she, they it didn't matter who they were affecting, how many people were going through bankruptcy, who couldn't afford LuLaRoe anymore, other consultants. It was when the cult leader gave up on that person because they weren't bringing in money, they weren't um, making the sales or doing the gastric bypass that she'd get a cut on. That's when each of them, in a different way, got completely heartbroken and realized this might actually be a scam. Yeah. And I wish they had dug a little bit deeper into the weight loss thing and the negative oh, yeah. side effects and the doctor, but they didn't. No, but so when I, we covered that, we covered that in the first yeah, episode. We, oh, we knew. And, yeah. I was like, guys, this is fucked. We and knew. then her sister, okay, we have to talk about this briefly, guys. Her sister created a contrasting like Mormon based fashion company. And her sister was also telling people to lose weight. So instead of having people be healthy in their lives they're just saying like put a sleeve on it <laughs> and that's how to lose weight it was so creepy put a sleeve in your belly and in your belly on your sleeve shirt yeah yeah wear sleeves ingest sleeves yeah exactly wear sleeves swallow sleeves yeah <laughs> there it is um they didn't go into her sister diane enough apparently there's a lot of tension there i wonder why i wonder if there's like a lawsuit or something I think her and her sister, it's, didn't they start in the beginning together and then they branched off? And so they said in the beginning of the whole documentary that like we were really similar. Me and my sister, we look like twins. And then they never spoke about her again. Yeah. So. Yeah. So then the product, we're in 2016, end of 2016, 2017. Product starts to go downhill, as we mentioned, and things start coming apart at the seams. We get a Facebook group with 16,000 people in it of LuLaRoe fails. Um, and then there's a funny scene where we show, they show the designer, one of the gross, like one of the funny designs yeah. and she just laughs. Oh yeah. The designer we were talking about who was like young and creative. She, I don't even think she saw 80% uh, of the designs that people under her were sending in and she was just cracking up. Cause she's like, yeah, that's God awful. Like they, <laughs> you're buying it. Like, yeah, she's like. The, you guys are idiots and and it sort of became I think she was the only one maybe she and the designers were the ones who were like actually laughing at people everyone else was pretty much like down to drink the Kool-Aid but I mean it is got awful but these women don't pick that like they don't have a choice and the designs are getting sent and they just have that's to sell the thing it too. you know that's the thing too so part of the LuLaRoe system is that you get some mysterious packages which made it very alluring I think to join LuLaRoe because then you could get uh like they're saying like a unicorn pair of tights or tights that you thought were discontinued and it turns out they just were sitting in a moldy storage bin and they came back and you're so excited they they had all these weird they tried to make it like an incentive and surprising because they kept the salespeople in the dark in that way it made it more coveted and like a surprise each time you got your box but also it made them completely held captive to whatever garbage they were given yeah yeah it sucks and these women put all of their money in it they put their breast milk money in it and they just want to sell it and they can't all that milk yeah them their milk money their milk money is just gone i know um so then the social media when people commented negatively their posts were removed mark says we have equal opportunity we don't promise equal outcome he's a piece of shit he says there's no quality problem with the products just a social media problem which fuck this guy yeah they kept blaming it on they're like, and people are just mean. The press is just bad. And it's like, it's not bad press when like your crotch opens up because <laughs> your product is bad. That's yeah. not being mean. That's saying the facts. Like my my vagina is open on the street because your <laughs> your leggings suck. Okay. Right. My hamburger is just flopping around. Yeah, my hamburger is just flapping right out. <laughs> There's something with a drama triangle, persecutor, rescuer, <gasps> victim. That yes, okay. So 
there was a necklace. So people would get a watch or a necklace if they got to a certain level. And these women said that it was like this talisman for them to have, like how companies would give you like a Rolex watch, but it was just a watch, a watch that said LuLaRoe on it, all branded. So they were so proud when they could get that token. One of the things was a necklace that had a triangle around it. And they were using the triangle. So Sue so and I have talked about like sobriety. So sobriety is used as like, there are triangle references and sobriety is a really loving like unity service and recovery are they yeah they just really like positive things this triangle is like don't be a victim <laughs> a shithead and a fuck face like it was they turned so many wonderful positive things into abusive stuff so if you wore the triangle it was like yeah i'm not going to be a victim a fuck face or a loser i'm sure somebody's listening is like no that's not what they use it was, but it's something like that persecutor rescuer victim and if you complained you were the victim so you couldn't complain. yeah yeah it's so bad and they would make fun of people for complaining um and you could get ex- suspended for expressing concern sam gets fired for having a relationship with the retailers which he said isn't true well no he he said he got he quit remember he said he mm-hmm. quit and then a memo came around that he had relationships with multiple retailers and we were like that checks out like the whole thing checks out oh my god this idiot sam who i again is saying is like a sad theater dropout major um he then when one of the consultants quit and he got fired and he never worked at LuLaRoe, he messages her like, hey, dog, can you give me 30K to put in my weed farm? <laughs> and it was a scam and he was being scammed, but he was still like, these people are still psychotic. Like they can be like, LuLaRoe's crazy, guys, but my weed farm, give me 90K. <laughs> it was so insane. Yeah, the weed farm. Um, It was a scammy weed farm, too. I think the weed farm wasn't even real. It wasn't. Dumbass has no life experience. Uh, these people organized a class action lawsuit uh, from the Facebook group with sixteen thousand people in it. So, oh, the let me let me stop really quick. The the class action lawsuit, how that started, is one of the women in Lularoe. Lularoe was doing such bad business and getting such bad press that then they sent out a memo that they would do a hundred percent buyback guarantee. So, if you wanted to sell all of your Lularoe stuff, Lularoe the company would buy it back from you. Just ship it to them. Obviously, pay for shipping and all that shit, uh, and they will. Write you a check for the value of that. So they started doing that with a bunch of people. And I'm sure they were thinking they're just going to send that box to a new person. Like they're just going to basically forward your box to the next person who buys in. You know, it wasn't a huge loss for them. But then so many people started doing it that they then started to. And, and in this first memo, they said it was open ended. There was no time limit. Go for it to try to show in good faith that they weren't ca- keeping anyone captive, basically, financially and business wise. Then within a couple months, they shut that entire thing down and said, it's no longer a program that works. So one of the women said, I need to find a class action lawyer. And she went to a lawyer in New Jersey who she had known from a mommy group in New Jersey, which I loved. I fucking loved this New Jersey lawyer woman. She was so badass. And there were multiple ways in which Basically, they could they could put out multiple lawsuits against LuLaRoe and they finally started talking. Yeah. So in September 13th, 2017, they go back to the they go back on the buyback policy and they went back to their original policy with tons and tons of stipulations. And then it becomes like a class action lawsuit. You can't go back on a contract. Right. When they did the 100 percent buyback policy, there was a mass exodus and people were like, "Okay, see you later. Bye bye. And then like also it worked in their favor because a lot of people were like, see, this place is so safe. A lot of women joined because they thought it was such a safe company. Mm. And I think a lot of the top salespeople, when they were recruiting people, use that as an example of like, look, you know, they're good people. They wouldn't be good people if they they didn't give you your money back. Um, and then the woman who brought it to her lawyer actually said that she went through a miscarriage and had postpartum depression and wasn't allowed to send, wasn't able to send her inventory as fast as they demanded it and that that should not be held against her. And it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. She had a medical reason. And so that was able to sort of like spark other women. And she talked about it and started sharing it. And so then multiple lawsuits were able to funnel through. Yeah. And at the same time, they changed the bonus checks thing to be based on sales and not on signups. Um, so all the top girls started making half as much. No, one was like, I made $3,000 and she was used to be making 120000 a month. And they did this to make it less pyramid schemey. Yeah. And there's um, video of them and recorded data of them saying, like, how do we make this less period schemey? But of course, they've denied all of that as well. <laughs> of course. 
yes, Kelly Picaro is the attorney's name um, in this woman, Stella's neighborhood. And Stella's the one who starts a class action lawsuit. Uh, we are in episode four, if I did not mention that. Stella has 20K left of inventory. Oh. <laughs> but then, so happy spoiler, it does get settled because it, what's so crazy is that LuLaRoe is now a billion dollar company. It's still making money. People are still selling it and like still buying this shit that they can just settle out with a family, settle these lawsuits, and they don't really take a huge hit. They're just bothered, basically. Yeah. I'm happy for her. She said that they settled outside of court and that, you know, I'm hopefully she's taken care of. Yeah. Um, in 2018, they had over 20 lawsuits, which good. Sue their asses. They spent a ton of money on having Kelly Clarkson for their annual convention, but they wouldn't pay their retailers back. Mm, great. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. She had no idea. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, so in 2019, we had the Washington State civil lawsuit um, mm -hmm. for violating the pyramid scheme law. Washington State sues the company, and that's where all this deposition footage has come from. Um, and Washington State says they couldn't have a – it was impossible for people to have a successful business just selling the product. Mm. And then, of course, in the deposition, they say they don't remember anything. So – Looking, this is still going on today, but February 2nd, 2021, uh, LuLaRoe is to pay $4.75 million to resolve an A.G. Ferguson lawsuit. Is that $4.7 million going to Washington or going to retailers? Do you know? Oh, so Ferguson, this company who's won, is providing financial. This is from the Washington State Office of Attorney General. And... Ferguson is providing financial payments to LuLaRoe retailers who lost money or who may have quit their job or sacrificed opportunities as a result of LuLaRoe's oh, deception, great. but who failed to make a full-time, quote, income as LuLaRoe promised. So that's great. That's about like the basis of them. They're using that in this lawsuit that you can make full full-time pay with little work. The attorney general's office estimates that approximately 3,000 Washingtonians will receive checks. Oh. Every Washington retailer who lost money under LuLaRoe's pyramid structure will receive restitution. Now that's just Washington state. And that's, what's wonderful Wild. because in it's, and, it, and it's, I'm so happy for them because each state does have parameters and limits to, for people to not be able to take care of business. I mean, take advantage of people and businesses like this. So Washington state got theirs out early and I'm really hopeful that other states are going to come in and follow suit. It also says in this court document, in addition to paying $4.75 million, LuLaRoe is required to publish an income disclosure statement that accurately details retailer income potential, calculate bonuses based on retail sales, like we said, conduct random and targeted audits to determine whether sales are to genuine customers rather than an effort to manipulate the compensation system, allow new real realtors to return all inventory not eligible for refund to the retailer, Profit certain types of deductions from refund request. Uh, warn retailers when the inventory they are purchasing is seasonal or otherwise does not qualify for return or refund. So they didn't even tell people <sighs> if the material was. They didn't care. They didn't know what they, they were sending care. people. So yeah. you can, if you are a former Lulua retailer with questions, you can contact the office at in Washington. I think. Mm -hmm. LLR restitution at ATGW. Okay. It's in the notes. <laughs> but you can send notes. them an email. <laughs> so, and I, file a complaint. Yes, which is great. And as this documentary wraps up, we have some like really sad turnouts for um, some of the retailers. Like one girl um, went bankrupt, one girl had to sell her house, one girl got divorced. And then surprisingly, there are still some retailers that are still in business and selling Lulu Road, the girls from that the top, girl. which is wild. That one girl, this one woman, it's like, yeah, I still have it all the time. She, She's psychotic, but she also said, you know, Lula Rowe, for some people, she's like, it was the reason I live in this house with my family. I was, we, we couldn't afford to live basically. So she, for her, it was an incredible change in her life. And she liked the pressure and she liked the demand. And I don't have no idea. I don't know. Well, good for her, as we say. Yeah. Good for her. So, um, and in 2021, they're still in business, but they've slashed their startup costs by 90%. 
So if you want to get into it, you can. It's for, not going to work. And you won't have to sell your breast milk. Don't sell that breast milk. Keep <laughs> it. Keep it. Um, do whatever you want with it. Play with it in your house. I just just don't give it to Lula. <laughs> don't sell it for LuLaRoe. Right. Um, <sighs> so that's it. And what a great documentary. That it could have been a little bit harsh or a little bit. I think what they were hoping is that those shitty ass characters would do it themselves. They would make themselves look as stupid as they did. And that is what happened. Totally. But um, there were just all these side tenders. I was like, I want to know about that creepy ass family. Like, you know that there are some insane religious pressures that there's with all the kids they have every single person was married i'm like they're not all straight you know there's some queer people in there that are have their own identity crisis i want to know their story totally. like there's just things happening that i wanted to hear more about but i do think down the line we're going to see more states and other companies suing lularoe yeah hopefully hopefully i can't wait i can't wait Burn in hell. Burn in hell. Thank you for letting me bring this to the people. I just yes. felt compelled. I had to. She had to, guys. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. This is amazing. And, guys, of course, if you have any scams, if you sold LuLaRoe, if you tell know us. anything about this, tell us. Um, you can always call us on our Hot Tip Hotline because you know I love a phone call. 347-509-9414. Or you can email us at scamwowpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And we're on the Instas. We're on Twitter. And I never check Twitter, so don't do that. <laughs> um, send us messages. And also, guys, if you can rate and review us, that's a huge, huge bonus. It makes a huge difference for us. It's just like, a you know, a short amount of your time. I always forget to review. And then when I do, I feel like a good person. So that can be yours, too. <laughs> if you want to feel like a good person today, go do it. You can do it. All right. Thanks, Amazing. guys. We really appreciate you. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But Wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together.